Hey guys, it's your host, Samantha Shendell. I'm the creator and host of the Talk To Me podcast. I am on a mission to uncover the inspiring stories behind ordinary people that do extraordinary things, people I find fascinating. I want to know who they are, why they are, how they got where they are. Won't you join me on this discovery? All right, guys, and we're back with part two, Um, guest Amber Oberheim. If you are coming into this and you did not listen to part one, I suggest that you press pause, go listen to part one, and hear the story of um, how Amber and her family has moved through the tragedy of losing her husband, police officer Chris Oberheim. So welcome back, Amber. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I am so thankful that you're here and sharing this. This has been so great just hearing your story. Um, I want to talk about the funeral service because this was lit. It was quite the impact that you had was shifting. It was like it shifted the culture. You could feel it. Mm. Um, I watched it virtually and I was just (laughs) like, Oh my God, I had goosebumps the entire time you were talking. Mm. And, um, I want you to share the phrase that you kind of coined. Sure. Um, just whenever. So I alluded in um, part one to realizing that this experience that Mm -hmm. we were, we were living through was not just about us. It was, it was about a lot more Mm -hmm. than that. And so we approached every decision that we made regarding Chris's services from that perspective. And it took maybe two days for the girls to realize that we had a lot to say. Yeah. um, And we wanted to share that. And so each of us took that opportunity to, Mm -hmm. to say something at, at Chris's uh, funeral. And throughout the week I had been you know, kind of helping each of them just solidify what it was that they wanted to say to express everything that, that, that they wanted to express. Mm-hmm. And I really hadn't taken very much time for myself to figure that out. So on the night of his visitation, I got everybody in bed. It was about 10, 1030. And I sat down with my laptop and I had been taking some notes in my phone throughout the week. Just when things would come into my mind, I would mm-hmm. just jot them down. Um, but I, I just, I prayed and I said, um, God, Hey, it's me. (laughs) Um, I know that you know that I have so much on my heart and so much in my mind that I feel like I need to share. Please give me the words to articulate your message, Mm. the words that you would want me to speak on your behalf. How do I articulate that in a way that will honor Chris and will recognize everything it is that you want me to accomplish in this moment? Mm. I cranked out that very last paragraph of my speech first and then went back to the beginning. And I Mm -hmm. think it ended up being, heck, I don't know. I talked for maybe 10 or 12 minutes or something like that. But, um, I just knew that I needed to, I needed to 
to bring that message because for us, it was about the officers who were left behind. We knew that Chris was taken care of, you know, Mm -hmm. we knew that um, he was in heaven and that he was celebrating with our loved ones that have gone before him and he was in the presence of God and we knew that he was okay. Yeah. We knew that. And so our attention then shifted to the other officers that were in that sanctuary and just knowing how great of an officer Chris was, I knew that so many of them thought, well, if it can happen to him, it can happen to any of us. Mm. And I didn't want them because of the way that our world has been so accusatory and criticizing and um, disrespectful to our officers, not to mention just authority in general. Um, I just needed them to walk out of that sanctuary feeling uplifted and inspired. Right. And so. And there were so many there. There were. But, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know how things would be received, but I didn't really, I didn't really care other than to say I wanted those officers to know that they were loved, Mm. honored, respected, you know, all, all of the things, Mm -hmm. um, that they're not getting um, or hadn't been getting. And so I had no idea that the, the phrase that you referred to was going to show up in the places that it has (laughs) continued to show up. And, you know, that was just, I mean, that was just a, that was a God original. Um, I can't even really take credit for that because it is something that just flew out as soon as I ended my prayer and said, amen, um, that next paragraph. And, and so the, the sentence that I spoke, um, that has been wildly reproduced, um, (laughs) was, uh, it is time to start celebrating heroes and stop victimizing felons. Yeah. And, um, it's been, I mean, in that moment it was very well received. I mean, everybody stood and applauded and I was like, wait a second, what's going on? Like, this is, I'm speaking at my husband's funeral and, and what, what what is happening? And for the timing with the legislature that had just been passed, Mm -hmm. um, you could feel, you could feel the heaviness that they carry with Mm -hmm. them. I know a lot of police officers Mm -hmm. and there is a, a weightiness to oh. their call, but also after that happened, it was after the legislature was passed, mm-hmm. there was even more so just this, oh, I feel so called to this. Mm. And now why am I doing this? If right. No one who's going to have my back. Yes. You know, and, and then you having that moment totally um, shifted the room shifted the culture for police officers, period. Mm. Um, and just the way the public views police officers. I, I, a lot of people who are on the other side of the line mm-hmm. from me um, since that time, I have heard them recant everything that they have said. Yes. And join, join the um, desire for the protection of peace officers. Yes. And start to celebrate and start to honor them. Yes. And, you know, here's the thing, um, Sam, there's, there are officers out there who probably shouldn't be police officers. Okay. There are decisions. Exactly. There, there are, um, there are actions from a few that have 
100% tainted the profession. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that, um, the one person who despises that bad cop the most Mm -hmm. is a good cop straight up. And so, um, the reality of that situation though, is that police officers in this day and age are the only profession that I can think of that the actions of a few have been overgeneralized and applied to all. Yeah. And that is not fair because in my experience, that is not what police officers are. I could tell you story after story after story of how law enforcement has shown up for us over the course of the last nine months and you would be mind blown. Like we would Mm -hmm. need two hours to have that conversation. Right. Um, And so my experience of an officer, while yes, my heart races and my palms get a little sweaty and my mouth gets a little dry if I get pulled over. Yeah. um, (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a normal reaction. It totally is. Just in response to authority, period. Everyone has that sort of like, oh, shoot moment, right? That like, that oh that little bit of fear right and so when you hear I feared for my life well I don't fear for my life I just fear for whatever's coming down because I just realized that I got caught doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing right so instead of having some level of personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and respect for authority I feel like our society has taken a turn for the worst mm-hmm. in general, right? Our moral compass is Way off, off kilter. Oh yeah. And um, so to be able to have that moment, because quite frankly, I knew at Chris's funeral, I could get away with just about anything. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, <laughs> and there are not very many moments in life that you can say that. Um, but truly I felt like it was a God thing. Now I did put a little exclamation point at the end and I felt like, um, it would be appropriate and, um, fitting. And it, it was just the exclamation point that kind of showed a little bit of my personality. Yeah. Um, and that was just dropping the mic on stage. Yeah, you just had to do it. <laughs> I was so worried that I was going to break it. That I, I, I threw up past our pastor. Nobody else knew what was coming. I'm like, I'm worried. What if I break it? And he's like, oh, I got five more backstage. And I it's was like, fine. okay, I think I get, I'll just buy him another one if I break it. Right. You'll be fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, Mm -hmm. that totally shifted the culture for, at least from my perspective, I, and I've talked to my parents about this. No one, um, no one signs up to be a police officer because they want to kill people or they want to hurt people or they're racist. Like that's not the calling. The calling is to serve yes. the community and protect and protect. And it's out of love for their community. Yes. Um, my dad, he was at the Decatur police department during the height of nineties gangs mm-hmm. in Decatur. Yep. And it was rough out there and it was, it was to serve and protect his community and he did it well. Um, as did my stepmom Linda. Yes. And I have so much respect for them, especially as an adult, for what they did. They they put their time in and they genuinely cared about the city mm-hmm. and about its inhabitants. And that is the calling of a police officer. Yes. It totally is. It's to bring peace. It and is. It is. Um, which is 
probably a perfect segue it into <laughs> into um, talking a little bit about the foundation that yeah. we created um, for Chris. So it is a God serving foundation mm. um, that honors that honors my husband, and it's um, it's been quite an adventure. So we we call it Peacemaker Project Seven Hundred Three. And uh, 703 was Chris's badge number. Right. And Peacemaker um, really came from Chris's favorite Bible verse, which was Matthew 5, 9. Um, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And mm. that is what they do. Yeah. You know, they're peacemakers, peacekeepers, however mm. you want to say it. Um, that is what our law enforcement officers are here to do. And I think that... The media has um, a very guilty conscience right now about oh, the way that they've been portraying our officers um, because so many people will watch um, TV, right? And they gain what they feel is factual information from the news. Um, but what I am here to tell you is that you cannot believe everything that's on the news. As a right. matter of fact, we're just choosing not to watch and mm -hmm. I would just as soon go to the source and figure it out myself and mm -hmm. gain my own experience of that situation if I could, right? So um, we at Peacemaker Project 703 have a mission to um, proactively support law enforcement officers and their families through community outreach, reform, and education. Wow. And we have been working really hard in all of those areas to make some things happen some of the work that we have been doing um, isn't something that you see out there a whole lot because it has to do with officer wellness. Mm. And, um, you know, we've put a focus on being able to provide support to officers who were on scene with my husband when the incident happened and just the trickle down from that because there are officers who are traumatized right. and they're still trying to heal and work through their own um you know, issues and feelings as it relates to that. And that isn't something that needs to be, you know, necessarily broadcast. Uh, right. We like to normalize, um, you know, mental health and making sure that it's a priority. But um, that's definitely a huge um, common theme for a lot of the things that we are doing with the project. And so... Um, it's incredible. It, and it has been. It's been so incredible the way that uh, people have supported um, us, not only as our family, but then also through the project. And what that tells me is that there are far more people out there who support our law enforcement officers yes. than those who do not. And the media makes it seem like there's no one on their side, but that is not the case. That is not the case. That is clearly not the case because our surrounding communities, Decatur, Monticello, Champaign, Danville, you know, even seeing love from Bloomington and mm -hmm. Springfield and, and all around. I mean, there were officers from out of state that, yeah. you know, several states that um, came to Chris's services. And so, um, and, and, and just the supporters that we have for the project um, have been pretty, pretty widespread as well. Right. Can I ask you, how has the media affected um, your grief process and, and just, everything since May 19th has that played has that been have they made things harder for you has it um, made things easier because more people know about it um 
I think, I think, I think it's twofold. Okay. It's twofold. So we've had a local news station who has done a phenomenal job, phenomenal job mm. reporting on this, making sure that, um, you know, they were reporting very respectable things that were received very well by the community and um, making sure that they were discerning what was going over air um, because they knew that it would impact many yeah um one way or the other and then we and then we had another news station who was not as particular on their discretion Mm. and um actually aired a picture of my husband's killer in a halo and angel wings what (laughs) um and so that decision gave people an opportunity to show just how supportive they are of law enforcement. Wow. And just a quick side note, um, because I do think it's, I do think that this, I'm, I'm pretty proud of this decision, um, for us. So, so that happened and I had to just let some time go by because Mm -hmm. I had several thoughts about the way that I was going to respond. I was either not going to respond at all and just ignore it ever happened. But then people were texting and calling and Facebook messaging me and businesses were saying, we're not going to advertise with this particular, um, you know, news station or, or, or channel anymore. Um, and it became clear to me that I needed to respond some way. Yeah. Some way. Um, and you know, of course my human nature response was, well, you know, let's just kick them where it hurts and make sure that they know that they never are going to do this again. Yeah. And that'll be that. Um, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> Holy so, Spirit stepped in. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Like, what is the way that we can respond to this that would actually be productive? Mm. What's the way that would follow our mission that we'd already set forth at that point in time for Peacemaker Project 703? Mm. And so we collaborated with the Public Safety Training Foundation down at the Macon County Law Enforcement um, Center, McCletsey. Um, they've got a great police simulator, um, a 300 degree screen and some really great trainers who, um, were happy to take that media staff through, um, a training through different, you know, police simulation videos. And so we had, I think five trainings with about 15 or 16 staff from that station and they agreed to do it. And it was a very impactful moment. Um, it gave perspective mm-hmm. to them. And so I, I, you know, I just said, I want everybody who would be able to report on, um, a story or would be able to get their hands on a story about police officers to be included in this training. Um, and it was very well received. It was very well done. Um, and I do think that that was beneficial I'm sure it was. I really do. And so moving forward, um, you know, we're planning on being able to expand that throughout the state of Illinois, that training. Um, But that is one small thing, you know, in in a myriad of others that Peacemaker Project 703 is doing to help advocate for our law enforcement officers and their families. Wow. That's incredible. Can we talk about your book? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Do you have a title? So our working title right now is seven and a half seconds. Mm. Um, and, and that is directly related to the fact that, um, from the time that Chris and his partner encountered the car that the perpetrator was sitting in, um, 
there were about seven and a half seconds from that moment where they said hello until they were being shot at. Mm. And so it's not that the seven and a half seconds define Chris's life or who he was. I don't want my husband to be remembered for those seven and a half seconds. Mm. But it was those seven and a half seconds that created everything after them in our world. Mm. Um, So those seven and a half seconds were significant in so many ways about what was going to happen moving forward. Mm. Um, So we've got uh, my co-author and I, the co-author is Huey Freeman. And so Huey is well known. Yes. He's the best. uh, The Decatur area. Um, Huey has a heart of gold. He does. And um, he's got probably 500 pages of transcribed, you know, um, interviews with me and a great variety of officers that Chris worked with Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, our family and family members and and he's wrapping up um, those interviews, and then um, we're just trying to figure out how do we, you know, are we gonna are we gonna self publish this thing? Are we gonna throw it out there to an agent? I've got a couple nibbles, um, but it's all in God's timing. So yeah. it's got to be done um, the way that we want it to be done. And really, it's a story about Chris and and us and our family and the type of person Chris was. It's a it's got very many real life stories about Chris as a, as a police officer. Mm. Um, but really the underlying theme for the whole book is, um, what it looks like to relinquish control to God Mm. and to walk a faith guided life. I love that. So, um, I hope that it serves the purpose that I think God wants it to. Um, that's, you know, we're still trying to make sure that that happens. Yeah. I, I love and admire you so much that you throughout this, you have um, submitted yourself to God Mm -hmm. and what he wants. And it's so impactful for the kingdom of heaven, but also for everyone. Yeah. Literally everyone. It's not about me. It's not. No. It's about what he wants. And it never has been, even though I tried to make it about (laughs) me for the first 44 years of my life. Well, you can't Um, be a police officer's wife and think it's about you anyway. (laughs) It took me, it took me 44 and a half years. Um, Mm. and just a, just a slap in the face, you know, and God knows me so well. I tell him like that two by four approach, that's the one you got to (laughs) take with me. Um, unfortunately, you know, not all two by fours are pleasant at all. Um, and this one, this one was pretty, this one packed a pretty heavy punch, mm. um, but I'm like, okay, all right. I, in, and in the face of adversity, um, to this magnitude, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. So I am yours. Mm. Do with me as you please, because I'm clearly not in control of anything anyway. Right. That's so beautiful. You know? Yeah. Where can people find you and yeah. follow along your journey? So we do have a webpage. Um, it's www.peacemakerproject703.com. And we're also on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at this point. My girls are trying to convince me into creating a TikTok. And <laughs> I think mm, there might be one out there, but there's not much on it yet. Um, but uh, that's that's how we're reachable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our contact information is on there. So, awesome. Yeah. Do you, do you take um, donations for the of course yeah of course um 
We have a, um, a PayPal link, and then we've also got um, a mailing address, which is uh, Peacemaker Project 703. It's P.O. Box 703. Love that. Monticello, Illinois, 61856. And so we absolutely um, will take donations. And really, you know, for everyone that comes in, um, every time I empty the mailbox or I, you know, transfer from PayPal, um, I stop and just say, you know, Lord, help me figure out how to utilize these funds um, to have the greatest impact that you would want us to have, really. Mm -hmm. Um, It comes with a huge sense of responsibility. Oh, I'm sure. um, Just knowing what to do with them. And we aren't money spenders at all. um, But we've got... um, through the, through the grace of God and the generosity of so many, you know, we've, we've got the ability to help officers, to help their families, to help whole departments. Um, we've recently collaborated with an organization called the Wounded Blue out of mm-hmm. Las Vegas, and we're actually bringing their um, annual uh, National Law Enforcement Survival Summit to um, just over the border, uh, just over the Indiana border to Terre Haute in October. Nice. Um, I've collaborated with another fallen officer's uh, sister over there. And so we're bringing that to the Midwest so that the officers who have had to endure, you know, so much over the course of these last 12 months or so will have an opportunity to, you know, it'll be in their backyard as opposed to having to go out to Las Vegas. That's awesome. (laughs) So yeah, we're excited about that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I wouldn't have missed it. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) glad. Yeah. Well, if any of you would like to get involved, you heard it, where you can find her, Instagram, Facebook, or peacemakerproject703.com. Please reach out to her, um, show her some love, support her. What she's doing is for the Lord and for the sake of our communities, so... Amen. Amen. All right. It was good to have you. Thank you for having me. Bye, friends. Well, friends, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining me and uncovering these inspiring stories. I hope that you have been inspired. If you are interested in being on the show, reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at talktome.ss. You can also email me at talktome at samanthashendel.com. Share this. Subscribe do all the things. Let me know what you think. Thank you again. Talk to you soon.